welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I am going to be doing a player spotlight on Kenrich Williams, as well as going over tonight's Thunder Lakers game. So just kicking everything off, man. We got to go back to the player spotlights. I think I did like one on George Hill maybe like a month or so ago after he had his little spurt where he was just like leading the team damn near. Kenrich Williams, he's actually been leading the team. I mean, statistically, it's not like he's popping off the page. But when you look at his on-court impact, you're going to realize that he's contributing a lot to the team right now. I mean, we are looking at a guy who really was not even playing for us in the beginning of the season. Like, he just started getting real minutes, and it was just due to everybody falling out. Like, Williams, he was consistently providing, like, sources of, I mean, defense was always there. I think offense may have been the thing that was a bit up in arms. But, I mean, he was always a source for, you know, just plug him in, he'll, he'll ball out for you. But he was flipping from playing five minutes and nine minutes a game to then like going to 26 and just over and over again, like repeating that process. It finally got snapped this past week due to everyone being out and he has not looked any better in a Thunder uniform. In the last five games, he's been averaging 10.4 points, 6.2 rebounds and 1.6 assists on 59% field goal shooting and 50% from three. And in those last five, he's averaging just 28 minutes. So looking at that on paper, if you're seeing the splits of 10 and six, what position are you thinking? You're obviously thinking of a dude who's playing in the front court, but he has not been doing that. He's been playing shooting guard, I'd say the last four out of the five games. And even in that last game, I think it was against the Rockets. That's when this little patchy game started out I mean he was coming off the bench but he was still providing minutes at the two and the three positions even hell he was playing at the four as well but he was just all over the place and now he's kind of settling into the starting two but his game he's able to do whatever he wants I mean defensively he's six foot seven so it allows him to just be pretty versatile right he's like 220 pounds to go with that but he lingers around the floor like a free safety almost. He's not latched onto one dude for an entirety of the game. And this is something we've seen integrated into this Thunder defense. Everyone is trying to switch around. Al Horford's a little bit of a bump in the road there. I think he kind of slows things down. But everyone else, they can switch everywhere. So that's what Kendrick Williams has been doing. And he's able to get in on any kind of play he wants. We saw specifically against the LA Lakers in the last game did you see how many shots around the basket the lakers were just not able to get clean looks off of now later on in the game when they were going like body on body one-on-one they kind of were overpowering uh the thunder but in like the first half and even the third quarter hell sometimes in the fourth whenever there were guys like harold crashing inside lebron Whoever you wanted driving inside. It wasn't a one-on-one. There were multiple defenders swarming him. And Kenrich Williams was in on pretty much all of those plays. So he's out there reading the defense from the perimeter. And when he sees a cut, you know, oftentimes you'll see players who kind of overcommit. And they're not able to get over on, you know, the ball handler at the time. And there's a wide open guy from the perimeter. Really not helping out that much. But Kenrich Williams, he's able to position himself to where if the defender tries passing out, this guy can still get up in the air and try to swat it 
or if they want to commit to shooting the ball, Kenrich Williams is able to swoop in just in the nick of time to create some sort of contest in it. So he's one of our best shot contesters on the roster right now, and he's not a—he's not a two guard. He's really not normally a two guard. He's playing at the three. He's playing at the four. This is a piece that Mark Dagnall needs to be using pretty much the entirety of the year. And we already know defensively, he's he's special, right? But how about the offense Kenrich Williams has brought to the team? He's looking like a tight end. Even more comparisons to NFL, I guess. Why not? I mean, he's cutting inside for the baseline layups. People aren't really expecting him to be doing much. He's been really just a corner sitter. Now, he's kind of getting used to this offense. He wants to get more involved. So, baseline cuts, able to slip by. Nobody sees him, gets the extra points. And, you know, if someone tries swooping in late, he's going to go up for the pump fake and get you, and he's going to get it tripped to the free throw line. And he may even make the shot and turn it into an and one. And then even when he has the ball in his hands, he wants to force his way inside on the smaller defenders. And from three... You can't leave him wide open right now. He's 50% right now off of, I think, an average of 2.4 attempts in the last five. So he's been a trusty shooter from outside. So he's looked great everywhere. But how about the offensive rebounding and just rebounding in general from Kenrich Williams? 6.2 average on those rebounds the last five. But let's talk about the offensive rebounding. I mean, Williams had six offensive rebounds out of his eight total ones in the previous game against the Lakers, and he's just continued to get offensive rebounds. This is nothing new to him. We've seen it since day one, his knack to just chase after the loose ball and recover for his team. And due to that, he's averaging a career high in offensive rebounds this season. He's putting up 1.4 a game out of his 3.3 total ones. So he is kind of looking like the less flashy version of Hamadou Diallo. We've seen Diallo literally fly in from like 10 feet out to get boards. Williams doesn't really have to get off the air to get rebounds. He just kind of gets in when the defense least expects him to, and then he'll get it and he'll shoot or pass the ball out. So he has become one of these new pieces in Mark Dagnalt's toolbox. He should be part of the future? I don't know. Kenridge Williams is 26 years old at this point, and he's on a very team-friendly contract. He's making like $1.7 million across these next three seasons. He is a guy you can have on your team be a great role player, and he can do it for the Thunder, or he can do it for other teams. And there has to be some sort of market for Kenridge Williams. He's everything you would want in one of your backup guys. He's a defensive specialist from two through four, and if he's able to continue producing offensively and rebound-wise, yeah, he's going to be in the NBA for a sizable amount of time. So if one of these contenders wants to try to take a shot at Kenrich Williams, I don't know what the asking price would be, but it's definitely an option contenders should consider, especially a team like the Clippers or the Lakers or somebody who's kind of restrained when it comes to money. This is a cheap option that you know you have secured for multiple seasons. And he's not going to just decline out of nowhere. Kenrich Williams is a legitimate player. So I don't know if he might be in any trade rumors in these next coming months. He's been balling out for the Thunder though. And without a doubt, he's balling out for whoever he'd suit up for. This is going to be something I'm going to talk about, especially when we near this deadline. Because I think Kenrich Williams may 
be that secret dude we just throw into a package to spice things up a little bit. But I love Kenrich Williams to death. I really love what we have seen from him, and I definitely want him to continue having a lot of minutes with this team. But moving on to the game preview for tonight, the Thunder and Lakers are going to be playing it back yet again, another baseball series. The Lakers won the game on Monday, 119 to 112. Very close, did a recap on that one. They barely eked it out, and it was off of some pretty lucky plays. They got hot just at the right moment to end up taking the night. But the Thunder have another shot to defeat the Lakers. The Thunder, they're 10 and 13 right now. Lakers, they are 19 and 6. The Lakers are hoping to catch up with the Utah Jazz. They are on fire right now. They are far ahead in terms of the standings right now. Someone needs to catch up to them. The Lakers need to continue winning if they want to clinch that number one seed or get in that battle yet again. But before they can jump into that conversation, they need to get the job done against the Thunder tonight. And it's going to be another super late start. This game is going to start off at 9 p.m. Central. That means you're looking at a midnight end, at least for post-game. The last game, I mean, since it went into overtime, yeah, we were looking at 12 a.m. Maybe 11.30 is when you're looking at this one ending. So if you're more of a night owl, this is probably the game for you to watch. Always fun staying up late watching basketball. I don't have a problem here. This would have been a fun game to put on ESPN. Now, I know they already schedule stuff around, but you know how ESPN loves the Lakers, and, you know, Thunder aren't, I mean, they aren't doing that bad. They don't have a lot of key players, so maybe that's why it would not work out. I just think it'd be cool seeing a team of eight guys going up against the defending champions on national television. I think at that slot, they have the Milwaukee Bucks, in Phoenix Suns, so there's more late games going on. I guess you got to give the nod to Giannis, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, whatever. I want to see Hamadou Diallo run point guard against LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So that's just me. Probably really biased. Is what it is, though. You got to take into account the injuries. And as I said, we're point Diallo, point Diallo versus these Lakers. That means Shea Gilgis Alexander is not going to be in the contest. He is out again with a knee injury. He was on with the team for a couple games, and now he's getting pulled back. Maybe he re-injured the knee, or they just want to give him a little bit of break, tally it up as a knee injury. You're good to go. Have fun watching the game. Whatever. You also got Mike Muscal out. He is still dealing with that concussion from Jaden McDaniels off that very crazy elbow he landed. And then you got Teo Maladone, who is still out with the COVID protocols. So you got three guys out, plus George Hill. This is another eight-man rotation for OKC. And for the Lakers, they still got some questions to be answered. LeBron James is probable again with his ankle injury. He ended up playing in the last game, and he carried them to victory. Anthony Davis, still not sure with him either. He is dealing with an Achilles injury. But... We do know three names who will be out, and it's Jared Dudley again, Kostas Adentacumpo, he's not going to be there, and then Alex Caruso will be out for the contest. And going into this one, you're going to be expecting another funky lineup here. Hamadou Diallo is going to be at the one. 
Kenrich Williams at the two. You'd assume Dort, Baisley, and Horford are going to round out that rotation. So off the bench, you got Isaiah Roby, Justin Jackson, and Darius Miller. Three guys who are playing in the front court. All those guys' natural positions are from the three to four. And Roby, he's even playing the five right now. So you don't have any guards, shooting guards or point guards there. And you don't have any true point guards on the team again. So Hamidou Diallo's going to be doing the point guard duties, probably. Uh, when he did have the point guard roll, uh, it was up against the Timberwolves, and they barely lost. They lost by three points. It was 106 to 103 by the end. But Diallo, he actually played pretty good when it came to making reads. He had 16 points and 10 assists in that game. You think he could pull it off against the Los Angeles Lakers? I don't know. Should be fun to watch that out. But how about Darius Baisley too? Darius Baisley went off for 21 points and 16 rebounds last game. Now he shot 7 of 21 from the field, but let's just forget about that. He got super hot in the first quarter. I think he already had double digits through those first 12 minutes, like 12 points or something. Yeah, he was going off. And then in the later three quarters in overtime, maybe went down a little bit. But if Darius Baisley is able to remain the number one option throughout the entire game, you're probably not looking at him being as stagnant as he was. I mean, he went from shooting very efficient to 33% on a lot of attempts. Honestly, I think it's due to SGA kind of taking the job back of trying to be the playmaker. Like when Baisley's in his zone, you need to give him room. And when he went off in that first quarter, kind of came in in that second, he was doing a little bit but specifically in the second half, he went back to his usual role of just sitting around the wing in the corner, not really being involved in the offense. He needs to have the ball in his hands when he's hot. You're not going to get him off the catch and shoot. That's not where he works out the best. He's best when he's driving in to the cup and he's able to get a little crafty moving or kick the ball out. Hell, he could probably pull up or do a little step back for a shot. He has a lot more options with the ball in his hands than when you give him a catch and shoot. The main factor that makes him so deadly is his mismatch. I mean, he's a six foot eight power forward who plays like a small forward. A lot of these guys can't hold up against that, and that's why he does so well. If you just turn him into a stretch four who's not really dribbling around that much, he's not going to have near as much of an impact. So we need to see him in a point forward role, he needs to be orchestrating the offense alongside Hamadou Diallo. And I'd probably give the nod to Darius Baisley in this game. If I'm going to be quite honest with you, I think Diallo killed it. And I think he should continue to just penetrate. But as soon as he starts kind of cooling off, you need to give it to Baisley and let Baisley kind of run the show. And just let him have a really bright game on his resume. Could you see him dropping 30 points and 10 assists? On LeBron James in the Lakers? Are you kidding me? That would look really sweet to have. I say you just let Baisley do whatever he wants out there. You got eight guys. You need to be testing things out. I think Point Diallo has been a success so far. You definitely want to see more of that. But, I mean, you can still ask for more from Darius Baisley. And he showed one quarter last game of being that true number one. I want to see him doing that for four straight quarters in the game. Looking by names like Diallo and Baisley, how about some of the role players? And I'm talking about Justin Jackson in particular. He's probably going to be coming off the bench unless 
some crazy game time decision moves him up and in the starting unit. But, I mean, this is Jackson's real moment to kind of shine. Didn't really have many runs throughout the beginning of the year. Just did not look that hot whatsoever. But now he's doing pretty solid. And if he continues to shoot efficiently from the field, he may actually find himself getting a couple minutes. Like, he could have a 10-minute roll off the bench, don't you think? Just a little bit of something. Needs to start somewhere. In the last game, he played 27 minutes, but he shot 6 of 10 for 14 points. And you saw the floaters, you saw the catch-and-shoot threes. Teams aren't really guarding him up that much, probably because he just has not been in rhythm. If he can come in and be efficient as a shooter against the Lakers, you may have something there, and you may be able to branch off into other players in this game. Kendrick Williams, he shot one of one from three-point range last game. Not a huge sample size. You want to see him shooting the ball more. Same goes with everyone. You're going to need some strong shooting performances in order to beat the Lakers right now. Because, let's be honest, you're not going to beat them interiorly, especially when you're looking at Al Horford and Baisley being your main two right now. If Davis is back and Harrell's back, it may be a, it may be a bit rough. Now, penetrations, that's where you're going to be looking, but you can't just go off that. You need to have the shot in your bag in order to be successful. And even looking down at other people like Darius Miller, he's kind of in the same boat as Justin Jackson. He really has not had the same amount of minutes as Jackson, though, and he didn't even shoot in the last game. But he can get it going from downtown. Let him be a little bit of a microwave off the bench. Maybe iron up a quick couple of threes to put you up and get you on maybe a mini run. That's what you want to see from someone like Miller. Great veteran presence. He knows his way around the block. You want to have those kind of players in, especially when you're going up against one of the most decorated teams in the Los Angeles Lakers. Think looking at this from a defensive perspective, though, you need to be clogging up the paint. And OKC did a great job in the first matchup against the Lakers doing this, but you need to be doing it again. Ultimately, the Lakers got saved because of their paint play. As I said, the one-on-ones, LeBron's pulling out some post spins to get open. Just doing whatever he wanted in overtime to help them out. You don't want to give them that shot again. You want to make them work from outside. They give up 64 points in the paint on Monday. Simply cannot be happening. OKC did a good job switching around and doubling, tripling inside. You want more of that, and you want it for 48 minutes. You got Williams, you got Roby, you got Jackson. They can all swap around. Now, I'm going to give the nod to Williams and Roby over Jackson, at least defensively. I think those guys kind of work better patrolling the inside. And then you even got players such as Dort and Baisley who have been rejecting shots all over the place lately. And hell, maybe even Al Horford too. I mean, you got guys who have turned into real rim protectors. You need all the activity centered around stopping the inside because Montrez Harrell he's clearly going to be a big factor in the game he had 21 points in the first game we played with him and then on Monday he also dropped 21 points on an efficient 9 of 14 it's all coming from inside Montrez Harrell he seriously is going to be a major problem so limiting him and making other people have the ball in their hands is what's going to help and if Anthony Davis is playing too, you're going to have pretty much the same impact with him as well. So you're going to have two guys you need to be monitoring inside. 
They had players such as Marcus Saul kind of working at the big man position at times. They had to pull him out. He only played 19 minutes in the game. So they had to look towards people like Markeith Morris and Kyle Kuzma to play at the four. So you can sign Harrell to the five. Now, those guys, they're not all about the inside game. If you get Davison, you plug in two inside beasts, and it may be maybe a little too much to handle. You don't want to rule them out, though, because, I mean, the Thunder have been pretty surprising in this season. Just got to make them stop inside, look outside, and the thing is this. I mean, the Lakers, they shot really bad from outside in the last game. They shot just 23.7%, 9 of 38 from downtown. It's just not going to happen again. And they were wide open off their threes, just could not convert on them. Typically, when they're shooting from outside, they're one of the top 10 in the NBA. They are shooting at a solid 37.5% right now. And for comparison, the OKC Thunder is 39th in that category at 34.1. So they got their shots rolling. If you're really expecting them to go 25% from downtown again, I mean, I would absolutely love to see that. But if they're getting the same looks as Monday, it's kind of a pipe dream to be expecting a result such as that to happen again. Anyways, guys, I think this game is going to be yet another proving ground for all eight players. You're looking at people who are going to be starting long-term, like Dort, Baisley, and Horford. But outside of that, everyone is trying to work and plead their case as to why they deserve to be playing big minutes. So throw them all out there. See how it goes. You're playing against the Lakers. Still don't know if LeBron's stepping on the floor, Davis is stepping on the floor. You'd assume one of those guys does, but you're not going to know until the ball ends up getting tipped tonight at 9 p.m. So make sure to watch that one. I'll be giving you all the game recap and just my thoughts on that tomorrow. But other than that, guys, that is going to wrap up today's podcast. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all later. See ya.